0: live from the finley toyota espn las vegas studios
1: the world is run by computers the world is run by robots and sometimes they ask us if we're a robot just because we're trying to log on and look at our own stuff
2: this is the press box i didn't know that if you keep having me sign in and saying are you a robot i gotta pick out like the stoplights. i gotta pick out the freaking trees (laughs) I gotta pick out all these crosswalks. I just want to know when my damn Dodger gear is on the way. All right, with Grainy and Bishoff.
1: Passwords have passed. You've correctly guessed, but now it's time for the robot test.
0: On ESPN, Las Vegas.
2: Ah, uh-huh. the robots are back. I missed that. I missed that open. I haven't had many robots lately. Please. You ever been buying stuff? No, no, I got I got in trouble for clicking too much. <laughs>
1: She changed the password mid-show. Yeah,
2: yeah it was not good. It happens every day now. I can't click anymore. I, you know, the gauntlet came down. I'm clicking too much on Amazon, and it's not good. we have been buying more flags? No, but we, I've ordered enough stuff to where we've had to take 10 things back to Kroger because we, re- we returned them because they're not as good as I thought when I clicked. So after where I was like, you just can't click anymore. This is getting completely stupid. So I'm off to clicking.
1: You're returning stuff to Kroger you bought online?
2: Yeah, so that's where you take it for Amazon when you want to return it. I mean, they take uh, Amazon is almost like Home Depot where you can take anything back. They don't ask any questions. You just take stuff back. But um, with uh, Amazon, you you have to take it over there to the store, and then there's a little kiosk, and you hand it to them, and you never see it again. I can't remember the last time I actually returned something. Oh, I do it all the time. I might as well have stock in that place. (laughs) I go over there so much. Anyway, back in action. (laughs)
1: The First Bite. How worried should the Raiders be about their loss to the Chargers? I think, here's the thing, and people can say,
2: oh, you know, three and one, everything's okay. Like, I think they should be really worried for the obvious reason. They're three and one, great. But if they don't fix the offensive line, then I think they're in major trouble. So everyone says it's three and one, and that's good for them. But (laughs) the offensive line tends to be somewhat important for all football levels. And it is so bad right now that, I think they should be concerned, and if they don't fix that, I mean, this is a team that was six and two and folded. I don't even know if they could get to six and two if their <laughs> offensive line isn't isn't fixed.
3: The three and zero start
2: is important in the
3: sense that they've got a legitimate shot to make the playoffs mm-hmm. at the end of the year because they're going to more than likely end up in a group of teams that are right around seven, eight, nine wins, and because they got off to this three and zero start. That might end up being the difference and giving, you know, helping them get to like nine wins or something and get into the playoffs. But when you actually look at the way they've played, they have won two home games in overtime, two home games in overtime where the other team even possessed the ball. Like they get, they yeah, got they the ball. Won. They got the ball first. The right. Raiders got the ball first and still allowed the other team to have the ball. And they still won those two games. Right. Mm-hmm. They are. They have not exactly blown teams out. They have not exactly played well, despite winning those first three games. And then they played horribly and lost to the chargers. I think the way they have played implies this is not a playoff team. The way these games have actually been played. The Raiders are not a playoff team, but getting three wins to start the year puts you in great position to where you you're can, in the mix. You can be an average team. The rest of the year. you can be a slightly below average team the rest of the year. And, and you're, you're still going to be in Contention right. for a playoff spot, but the way they've played has not been good. And you're right; it starts with the offensive line and Derek Carr, right? Derek Carr
2: was able to play around the the offensive line wasn't good in the three wins. No, either. that's the other thing people aren't realizing; they haven't been good all year. Right. It's just that he was really good and was able to make plays. And so that's maybe that's
3: because okay, let's, let's start with the offensive line. Do you think it gets significantly better?
2: I I really don't because I think. I think. Look, Alex Leatherwood has nowhere to go up but up, right? And Andre James. But how much exponentially can they get better? Is Alex Leatherwood going to go from the last ranked tackle in the NFL to the 40th? Like, I think that'd be really hard ask of him. Um, Andre James, same thing. I said this to someone yesterday. One of the things, and I well, actually, uh, we we might have talked it on the radio yesterday with you when I called in, or um, was Richie Incognito. I think he is hurt. This, I mean, look, he's hurt. I get that. He's injured. But his absence, I should say, has really hurt this team a lot. And I don't think we realized how good Richie Incognito was or how much he meant to the offensive line until he's been out all this time. Yeah, He's really good, and they're missing him, and they have injuries on top of that, and they have young guys who have not performed to the level they probably thought they would given where they were drafted. Colton Miller
3: this year, 16th highest ranked tackle by Pro Football Focus of 73. That's solid. That's, that's a, good. That's He's a very, been good. A very good left tackle. Uh, your right tackle, though, Alex Leatherwood, is 73rd of 73. Uh, Andre James, the center, is 33rd of 33. And then your guards, John Simpson, is 67th of 75, and Eliminor is 48th of 75. Uh, Eliminor surprises me a little. Surprisingly that's high, actually, yes. Yeah, that's actually uh, good. But take John Simpson there at left guard. If that was Richie Incognito, and if it was, I mean, I think it's safe to assume if he plays again, he's going to be one of the top 20 guards in the NFL, you would have your left tackle, left guard combo would be good. You would at least have one side of the offensive line that you were, you felt confident either pass blocking wise or even run blocking. Maybe you could run behind that side of the offensive line, but without him there, you have one offensive lineman. I don't think Colton Miller's allowed a sack this year. I think he's been like one of the few linemen that have a lot of sack already. But you only have one guy that you really trust, and the rest have been horrible. And going forward, like you said, sure, Alex Leatherwood's going to get better. You hope he gets better. But how much better is he going to get in one year? Is he going to go from the 73rd best tackle to the 60th best tackle? That's still not good. You're still not really getting a good offensive line play. Same for Andre James at center. Same for John Simpson at left guard and even Eleanor at right guard. Like, it's just... There's not a lot of optimism as to how much better this offensive line can be, which then brings me to maybe the more important question. If we don't think the offensive line gets better, which is the real Derek Carr? The Derek Carr we saw in the first three weeks of the season that was able to basically withstand the pressure, that was able to make plays under pressure, that was able to stay in the pocket, take hits, and still throw the ball down the field. Or is it the Derek Carr we just saw in week four that caused Joey Bosa to basically say he's soft and when he gets hit, he crumples, right? Which one is the real Derek Carr? Because we've seen week four Derek Carr in the past. We have seen that from Derek Carr before. That's been one of the biggest That's The reason Joey Bosa said it is because that's been one of the biggest problems in Derek Carr's career is when he gets hit, that's what he plays like. He plays like he's scared. He plays like he's got to get the ball out to his check down right away. And we didn't see that in the first three weeks. We saw in week four. So which one is the real Derek Carr the rest of the season? That might be the most important question of the Raiders offense is who is the real Derek Carr
2: the rest of this year? Weeks one through three or week four? I mean, doesn't it go hand in hand with how bad the offensive line is? Yeah. If they got better, he might be the guy one week one through three. Absolutely. It, no doubt about uh, I, I it. He would be so great. If you tell me the offensive line gets a lot better, which again, I don't know or probably at this point believe it will then we're probably going to see more of Derek Carr in week four. What's he been sacked eight times in four games? If that number continues and look, uh, Bosa had every, it's his opinion. He has a right to say it. Uh, the pitcher was bad that gets across the, that gets across the internet. It was a bad pitcher <laughs> for Derek Carr. It's also a still image of something that's chaotic and going hundred miles an hour and Renfro afterwards, you know, says that's my fault. Uh, whatever. You can take everything you want in that picture and, and kind of evaluate it. Um, and we didn't hear Joey Bosa say this stuff after the Raiders beat him in SoFi last stadium. So I just think it goes hand in hand with the offensive line, and if they can't get any better, I think we'll see more of Week Four. Yeah. You know, I I just do it, and I'm not going to say that's 100 percent on him uh, if they can't block for him. 12 sacks in four games. I'm sorry, by the 12 way. and four. That's a lot. <laughs> I mean, you keep getting hit like that, and and we don't even. That's not even care. You know, I don't know what the quarterback hits are. Um, Maybe you have that number. So he's I getting hit. He's getting sacked. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not going to put it on him. I, I don't even think I'd put a majority on him in terms of if they can't block for the guy. And you're right. that his A lot of his persona in the past was to check down Derek. Right. I mean, that, that's who he was. Um, but in those first three games this year, he didn't do no, that. He was throwing it deep. Which, in a way, I give him a lot of credit for because it's not like the offensive line the first no. three weeks were, was good. Yeah. Uh, they weren't at all. Maybe now he's just starting to feel it. Like, every week, they can't block for him. That was, I mean,
3: through the first three weeks, that was one of the biggest changes. That despite the bad offensive line play, Carr was still throwing it down the field. Carr was still hanging in the pocket and making the throws down the field. He was throwing it farther down the field than he ever had in his career through the first three weeks of the season. And then week four rolled around, and he was, he did. I mean, he still threw some down the field, but it more or less came later in the game when they were down by 21 points. Right. And yeah, like it, it was okay. Oh wow. We've got to actually score quickly to have any shot here. But early the first half of that game, they weren't taking shots down the field. Everything was a dump off to like Josh Jacobs or an underneath route to Hunter Renfro. Like there was Darren Waller had a couple of catches in the first half. Brian Edwards did nothing. Henry Ruggs didn't do much until the second half of that game. So it's, it's, That's the main question, is the offensive line and how Derek Carr plays behind it the rest of the season because they're not going to have a great rushing attack the rest of this year. They can have a really good offense if Derek Carr is throwing the ball down the field. They can absolutely have a good offense, but the offensive line has to improve or Derek Carr has got to be the quarterback we saw in the first three weeks where he can play around it, where he can make plays despite it. And again, I don't know what the real Derek Carr is. I don't know which one we're going to get the rest of the season.
2: And I don't know if, well, I do know, if they can't block for him, they're going to get in issues with Kansas City twice and Dallas and really good offenses where they can't win shootouts. Yeah, They just can't. Yeah. And you're going to have to shoot out with Dallas on Thanksgiving Day, and you're going to have to do that with Mahomes and probably Herbert on a second time. And there will be weeks, I think, this week where you don't <laughs> have to do that, where you should win the game because you're just better. But like you said, that's how I think to where your point is they get to seven, eight, and nine wins. The offensive line isn't any good. He's got to try to win a shootout, and it's impossible to do that. I mean, the defense could play fairly well against the Kansas Cities and Dallas's of the world and give up thirty. The other part of the first four weeks that it, that's probably
3: going to change. The Raiders have still recovered one hundred percent of their fumbles. Yeah, which uh, is actually isn't it like six to eight fumbles or? I think they're up to eight. Is it okay? Eight so now? that's I'd have to double check that's that. almost impossible. Right. Yeah, so it is, and and you know you get strip sacked by Joey Bosa and on Monday night and. I think John Simpson, I, yes. Josh Dubow tweeted out John Simpson's the only offensive lineman to recover two fumbles this year in the NFL. <laughs> so the Raiders have had really good fumble luck this season. Yes. And listen, Derek Carr, we've talked about a lot before he's had fumbling issues when he gets hit. He, he fumbles more than I think all, but like three or four quarterbacks in the NFL, he's getting hit a lot. He's going to continue to fumble because the offensive line is not good eventually the Raiders are going to start losing these fumbles and those are going to basically then end games. Those are killers. Right. Those are going those to end games. It's a, again, to go back to how they've played, it's amazing. They beat Miami despite throwing a pick six, right? You don't win a lot of games when you throw a pick six. So if you fumble and you set the other team up on, on your 17 yard line or something like that, th- that's a game losing play, regardless of when it happens. So, when this fumble luck sort of turns around and all of a sudden they have a four game stretch where they fumble six times and lose five of them. You're looking at like a
1: one in three stretch yeah. that kind of throws away the start of the season. Ed, maybe you could ask Tom Cable, like, do you have your lineman like practice? Oh, I missed my block. Look at the ground. <laughs> Look at the ground. Look at the ground.
2: <laughs> That'll be my first
3: question. Hello.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: all right. Coming up Next. Today's a great day. One of the best Dodger teams ever has to play in a wild card game.
0: Hit down the left field
3: line. And
0: out of here. Take the tour, kid. You deserve it. On the last day of the season, the Giants pitchers have hit a home run. And listen to this crowd. Well, he's been swinging it, there's no doubt about that. First big league homer in the biggest game of the year. What a night. Our day for Logan Webb. It's eleven to two. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler.
2: If the Dodgers win the World Series, Jared's first uh, first uh, video or audio next day will be Tati sitting a Grand Slam. How you feeling, Ed? Dodgers. Wild card game. The
3: Dodgers tied the, their franchise record for most wins in a season, and they have to play the Cardinals. One game, yeah. wild card to get into the NLDS.
2: Look, when you win 106 and can't win your division, I don't know how confident you are going into against a team that I think has won 76 out of 77 games. So, <laughs> um, yeah, worried. Worried. Absolutely. Uh, Scherzer hasn't been good the last two starts. Wainwright always gives them trouble. Muncie is out. So, concerned, heavily concerned about tonight. Is Muncie out for the playoffs? Well, Roberts said he's out for this one, and if they advance, he's probably out for the Giants. So, so he could come back. There's still there's still yeah. an opening yeah. that Max Muncie could come back. Man, brutal. Can't yeah. catch the Giants, and
3: you lose Max Muncie in the last... Well,
2: Trey Turner's a best hitter. But yeah, he's the best power hitter. He's he's the guy who, uh, you need in that lineup. So, so who's playing first? Pulho starting? I think Pulho starts. I mean, he's been his backup the whole year. He went in the other day when he got hurt. I think Pujols... It's against the Cardinals, so I think they have to hope that it goes one way and not the other, where he's motivated and he actually steps up against his former team instead of like, oh, this won't be good against this. He'll be thinking, overthinking it too much. So, Bellinger going to be in the lineup? We hope not, but my guarantee, I'm sure he will be. <laughs> he can play first, can he? Put him at first. It's been a long time. Yeah, he's a really good center fielder. I think they start him in center. Well, you know, Gavin us. Lux tried to run through the wall yes, like a exactly. couple days ago. Yeah. So
3: put Cody Bellinger out there. So okay. very
2: interested in the lineup.
3: How are you gonna watch this? Are you gonna watch it? Is yes. this like a recorded and this is a recorded
2: fast forward. Peek through your fingers to see what yes. the score is? Yes. This is a recorded fast oh, forward. Oh man. Nightmare. This is a recorded and then fast forward and then I never look at the game, I always look at the little box where the yellow dots go to the bases. <laughs> And then I get very nervous if, in fact, the Cardinals are up and I see yellow dots on bases, and then I actually kind of stop it for a bit. That's how I watch playoff games.
1: Jesus. You're the worst. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever. What are you going to do?
2: How do you get mad at it if you're not actually watching? Uh, well, because I see a lot, a lot of yellow dots on the other team. That's how I get mad at it. Uh, he,
1: he's watching basically StatCast. Yes. yes.
2: Yeah, basically that's what I watch because I just uh, I can't take it. But I think you'll be surprised – tomorrow if they lose my attitude tomorrow I just think they won 106 games couldn't win their division they're playing a team that is the I mean aren't they the best team going in they won like 23 out of 24 games although they've had a week so maybe they kind of cooled off a little uh but I don't think I'm gonna be overly surprised if they lose I don't know if this is the Padres you wouldn't have seen me this morning I'd be home and like you know curled up in bed with the covers over my head but I think the Cardinals are really good I think Wainwright's really good so I think while I'll be really, really bummed, Like it's more easy to accept. They're like the best team coming it, in right now. Damn it, Jace Tingler. Why couldn't they just hold it together and Is get he still the wild card spot? <laughs> he he hasn't he been still... fired yet. Yeah, well, <laughs> give them time.
3: You usually wait a few days and let the guy clear out the locker. I can't believe we got robbed of the Padres
2: being in this because oh. they couldn't win a game and the Cardinals couldn't lose a game right. the rest of the year. That would not have been good. Oh, my God. That would not That would not have been good. That, now, that would have like sent me over the edge. Oh. This one won't. If they lose, they lose. And... I mean, they lose their really good team. And I, I look, we're going to make our World Series picks. I think the next team that goes the next round isn't going to beat the Giants anyway, because I just think the Giants had had a magical year. And I just, I'm going to be surprised if they don't go to the World Series because, like I said, they were, you know, to beat a team that won 106 games, I mean, that says all you need to say because they're not as talented as the team they beat. So it just might be their year. Uh, I got some fun stats for you. So Clayton Kershaw, who left uh, his
3: last start of the season after an inning in two thirds. Uh, since Major League Baseball started cracking down on foreign substances. Kershaw made seven starts. is 4.73 and he got injured twice in those seven starts. I just think he's old
2: and his hat is spotless. Yeah, he's been that's a little concerning, (laughs) but he hasn't. I mean, he's gotten injured the last two or three years. I just think he's he's old now. The hat's a little concerning on what you're trying to say, but uh, so I'm not saying it didn't happen for sure, uh, but I think he's old and I think uh, he, he's had arm issues the last two or three years. I mean, he just, he's thrown a million innings and uh, first ballot. First ballot. That's all ballot. you got to say. Is first ballot, so, obviously. Sure,
3: Scherzer pitches tonight, if the Dodgers win. Urias Bueller for one, two in the NLDS. I think
2: it's Bueller Urias because Bueller will be on normal rest.
3: Oh, Urias won't be on normal rest. No. okay. And then shirt would Scherzer be good enough? And he'll, he'll be, be three, good to come right? back for He'll three? be three. Yeah. Who's
2: the fourth starter for the Dodgers? That's the great question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. David Price is Gonsolin oh. still around? It might
3: be Gonsolin. Yeah. It might be Gonsolin. What about uh, CSN guy Phil Bickford? Starting?
1: Yeah, give my. Only you see piece that, that guy in the seventh. Yeah, Never mind starting.
3: You got to got to do the opener like the Tampa Bay Rays. No,
2: it'd be Gonsolin. I think. Okay. I think you're right. I think it'd be Gonsolin. Gonsolin for what? Like two or three innings? It'd be it'd be what what uh, the Docker start likes to call the bullpen games. The which bullpen I think he had 67. So. I'll say this again. Dodgers probably went like 50 and 10 That's in their saying. bullpen well, games. Well, they won 106 games and had like more bullpen <laughs> games in the history of baseball. You, I mean, they were so talented, and yet they didn't win the division. So. I, I will not be shocked if they go out tonight. I mean, there'll be a lot of little yellow dots on the Cardinal side of the stat cast. I truly
3: <laughs> believe the Dodgers are the best team in baseball, but the sudden lack of pitching depth and Max Muncy's injuries, I think it's going to be tough. Like you, you take out probably the best overall hitter on the team in Muncy and you don't actually have a fourth starter. Like the top three is really good. Those three, like it's probably better than maybe the Brewers, but maybe better than anybody else is actually top three starting pitchers. But when you just simply don't have a fourth and you're losing Max Muncy, I guess, I mean, it's a good thing about the Dodgers. They've got lineup depth. Like we're talking about Albert Pools or Cody Bellinger is coming into the lineup. Right. Bellinger's been garbage, but he's been horrible. He did win an MVP before and pools He's old, but he's one of the best hitters in the right. history of the sport. It's not like you're talking about, yeah, this guy has 46 career at bats with seven right. hits. Right, like it's good players, so eh, it's good lineup depth. Yeah, you'll win tonight. You'll be fine tonight.
2: I don't know. I don't know about the. NLCS. They're a huge favorite tonight, which I, that has to be all Scherzer. But I didn't think they're like two dollars or more, and I'm like, eh. Cardinals have played they're, really well lately. They're still the World Series favorites. They're in a wild card That's game, and they're still the World Series amazing. favorites. Yeah, they should be.
3: That's amazing. They're they're far and away the most talented team. Like even again, even with Muncie out, do they have a legitimate hole in the lineup? bellinger when he plays sure <laughs> but that's it that's the only hole in the lineup like that's and, not a hole that's the grand canyon yeah, <laughs> yeah but like that's fine like the, everybody else has a bellinger or worse in their lineup even in the american league where they get to dh the astros got a catcher hitting like 170 this year Who's gonna play every game so like it's eh, they'll be fine i think they'll be fine
2: all right so i will say because we're i mean it started last night but let's do this I have your Astros and the hey, Giants in the World Series.
3: I like this. I got great co-host. Adam Candy thinks the Astros are winning the American yeah, I League, think, too. Yeah, I
2: think the Astros and the Giants. The Brewers and the Astros. Oh, okay. I don't know if the Brewers can score more than can two they, runs. Can they hit?
3: But I don't know that they're going to have to against the Braves. And I don't believe in the Giants, even though they've got 107 yeah.
1: wins. I just don't
3: believe in them. How old is Brandon Crawford? Dude, it's like thirty-five. Yeah, it's like his best career year ever. But
2: it's almost like what you said well, last year about Tampa Wainwright? Bay. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. I was eventually right about Tampa Bay. Eventually, they got eventually. to the World Series. Um, then turned out like the most that, wins though. in
3: the AL this year. But I was right about them last year.
2: You look at the Giants and you just say, "How? Right? How did they do this? Doesn't make any sense." So that's why I think they'll them. go because I don't. There's no explanation for what they've done. So why would you explain how they would get to the World Series? You can't. It's probably just going to happen. Does it feel like outside? I don't know. It feels like
3: the entire baseball playoffs. I'm not convinced any of the teams are actually good. Like, I think the Dodgers think are, the Dodgers are, are good. really good. Yeah. But they've got to play a wild card game. They don't have a four starter anymore. And Max Muncy's out.
2: And they don't get their best play. They don't get their best pitcher till game three. Right. And who knows what's going to happen in the first two
3: outs. And and the real problem with that is Scherzer can't make a second start. In the NLDS.
2: He can't he come back pitch for seven. Five.
3: In the NLDS, when it's a five game series.
2: Oh, no. Against the Giants. Yeah. You only get
3: them for one start. Whereas basically everybody else. Yeah, you can get them for three. Yeah. So that, but like the Dodgers, I'm convinced are good. I don't like, I'm not convinced the Giants are good. The Brewers can't hit. The Braves just won like the worst division in baseball and like they're fine, but they're nothing special. And then in the American League, I'm still convinced Tampa Bay is not actually that good. The White Sox haven't played a meaningful game in three months. And the Red Sox, I don't believe they're good either. Like, I just don't think there's that many good teams. But oh, somebody's God. gonna win the World Series. So City. does your
2: team win at all? I
3: think they do. I, I, oh, I yeah. wouldn't doubt it at all. I think they're the best team in the American League. I do think the Dodgers are better. Uh, probably the Giants are better too. But you I do think, think the
2: Giants are better.
3: Probably. I mean, or just the, how they played this the, year. Their numbers this year suggest they are. Like Tampa's numbers this year aren't that good. The the Giants' numbers are spectacular. Like, you, it makes sense if you look at their lineup, how they've scored runs. The Tampa is just like, they're throwing 100 relievers at you and walking their way into runs. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
1: Coming up next, Ben Goats joins the show. Good pressure from Jake LeCision to get down there and beat out the icing call. And now Jack Johnson trying to get away from traffic. Takes a heavy hit again from LeCision, but he got ahead. Here's a break towards the net. Maltsev dropped it back. And a save made by a, squ- a sprawling Logan Thompson. Second effort, Maltsev. That's blocked. And now Thompson will cover
0: back to the press box morning show with ed graney and tyler bischoff be part of the conversation on the finley kia text line at 69187 finley kia come see a kia on west sahara
3: joining us now from the review journal is ben goats good morning ben how are you hello benjamin
1: not too bad good to be with you guys
3: all right peyton krebs Four points last night. Is he making a late push? Is he going to be on the roster opening night against Seattle?
4: He certainly, has given himself a chance to be. I would not be surprised if he now gets one of these last two preseason games to keep showing us stuff, especially because the Knights continue to uh, nurse injuries this preseason. We saw William Carey get a skate to the face last night, and so it's unclear what his availability will be like. And Krebs has gotten a look at the left wing on that fourth line before. And Pete DeBoer has said, you know, we think his game could translate there. So depending on, you know, when Carrier gets back, depending on when Nicholas Waugh and Brett Howden are available again, the door is open for someone to kind of, you know, grab a spot here. And obviously uh, Krebs four point performance last night is the kind of a performance that opens your eyes a little bit. And I think he's got, you know, a chance to, at the very least, position himself to be one of the first guys called up at the very worst at this point.
2: Ben, let's say he makes it. Um, saw a bunch of stuff across Twitter last night. I don't think they'll start this way. I think they'll start with the second line, with the misfit line as it was. But you and I have talked about this, and we Pete DeBoer, we were in the uh, press conference where Pete DeBoer said e- everything's on the table. We didn't win. We've lost in the conference finals. They haven't been good enough, like everyone hasn't been good enough. Give me the percentage that at some point this year that line is broken up and not just for a few games.
4: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because that's something that, you know, even though Pete DeBoer said that at the beginning of training camp, he didn't do a whole lot of during the regular season last year. Obviously, uh, last year was kind of a charmed season for the Knights, for lack of a better word. I mean, they were basically tied for the best record in the NHL, and they just lost a tiebreaker to the Colorado Avalanche for the President's Trophy. So there obviously was a lot of, hey, it's not broke, don't fix it kind of thing going on, especially with the top six. We didn't see a ton of mixing and matching when everyone was healthy. You know, Chandler Stephenson basically stayed between Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone, and William Carlton was centering Jonathan Marchessault and Riley Smith. There wasn't a whole lot of experimenting just to kind of see how things would look. There was a game or two. There's especially one game in Colorado coming off of the loss in Lake Tahoe where Pete Board put the lines in the blender just to send a message. But that was clearly not a, oh, I'm trying something that maybe I hope could be permanent. That was just, a, I'm looking for any type of spark sort of thing. So we'll see. I'll kind of believe it when I see it because I think, once again, the Knights are going to be the one of the classes of their division, so I don't expect them to have a terribly difficult time throughout the regular season. But I will be intrigued to see if he kind of follows through on what he said at the beginning of training camp and experiments a little bit more, so that way when the they potentially do get into a tight playoff series like they have been in the last couple of years, they have kind of more clubs in their bags that they can pull out that they have a little bit more experience with to try to give teams a different look.
3: I know Kelly McCrimmon's given a quote a couple of times about how the center depth or the top of the center spot on this team, how it was a bigger concern outside the organization than it was inside the organization. But does their sort of depth at that position really all hinge on Nolan Patrick being a really
4: good player? Uh, right now, it definitely does, especially because Peyton Krebs, who has played center a lot in the past, including his you know junior career where he won player of the year last season, has basically just been at left wing. During training camp, and obviously left wing would be an easier position to kind of break him into the NHL in. And he has a lot of experience in that spot as well. But taking him off that spot means that Nolan Patrick is the only guy who you could conceivably kind of talk yourself into being more of a middle six center. A guy who could fill in for William Carlton or Chandler Stevenson if, you know, injuries, illness, uh, suspensions, whatever have you end up arising. And we saw that was kind of the position that the Knights tried to put Cody Glass in last season and it just didn't work. Whenever Glass was kind of called up to play between Patchetti and Stone, that line just wasn't effective anymore. And that really cost them in the playoffs because they didn't trust Glass in that spot, which means when Stevenson was hurt during the NHL semifinals against Montreal, they were moving up Nicholas Flois and Keegan Kolasar to play with Stone and Patchretti. And those guys are very effective players, but they're not very effective top six kind of players at this stage of their career. So it really limited Stone and Patrick's effectiveness in the Knights' most important games of the season. So the Knights need Nolan Patrick to be able to fill in uh, if he's called upon in that spot. Now, it'll be interesting to see if he can ultimately fill those shoes. He's certainly got the talent to do it. Watching him kind of just skate around and practices, it's obvious why this guy was the number two overall pick, but he hasn't put it all together at the NHL level yet because of injuries and a lot of other circumstances. Uh, He had a very encouraging performance last night. I think that was probably easily his best game of the preseason, Uh, but he's got to keep it up to give this team confidence that they'll be able to survive if anything happens to Carlson or Stevenson.
2: Ben Ghost, Las Vegas Review-Journal beat writer for the Golden Knights joining us here in the press box. So let's get to Robin Leonard his comments across Twitter. Uh, I want to, before we talk about Robin Leonard, what he said yesterday in the press conference about his comments uh, across Twitter, I want to ask you, did you ever get a sense inside while they supported him outwardly of what he said? Did you ever get a sense inside? There was ever feelings like why now we're about to start the season. This isn't what we need out there.
4: No, because I think one, it happened in the preseason, which I think is even though obviously these guys are preparing for a regular season it's very important to kind of get their legs in under training camp. It's obviously a lot different than if he had done this, you know, while they're in the midst of the regular season and games that matter and everything else. I mean, he did this basically while the team was on their two day retreat to Montana as a team bonding exercise. So I don't think, you know, it necessarily created this big, you know, distraction that the team was kind of presenting. He did it at a good time in the calendar, for lack of a better word for the Knights. And the other thing, of course, is that I don't think the Knights at this point are surprised if this happens from Robert Leonard. I think the situation is very comparable to what he did kind of at the end of last regular season where he spoke out about the fact that the NHL and NHLPA hadn't uh, released new protocols for vaccinated players at that point at the end of the regular season. Uh, They ultimately did that for the playoffs, but he had a big issue with the fact that players were getting vaccinated and their protocols weren't changing. So I think the Knights have experience with this, and the fact that it came at you know, an easier time in the preseason means that they were able to kind of take it in stride.
3: From what he said yesterday, did you sort of get the implication that he has tried to talk to the NHL or the NHLPA privately about some of these teams giving out prescription pills without having the prescription? and those talks just never went anywhere, so he felt his only way to actually make change was to go public on Twitter with it?
4: That's what he hinted at. He hinted that, hey, I've tried to go about this in other ways, and just kind of his frustration uh, boiled over, especially I think you know there was kind of a catalyst of the whole Jack Eichel situation going on, where um, he is, of course, still in a dispute with Buffalo as to what uh, surgical procedure he's going to have on his neck, and Robin Leonard played in Buffalo with ICO for three years. That's the guy who was his captain at one point. So he feels I think personally affected by that situation. And so I, that's what I think kind of led to the pot boiling over a little bit. But uh, Leonard did hint, you know, I've tried to not, you know, basically be so public about this and kind of go on Twitter and kind of spill the tea, but I felt that I had to, because I wasn't being listened to. And he said, you know, now I feel like I do have a voice and I, Am getting my message to the right people, and so he's at least happy about that. But he did not specify specifically, you know, what he was kind of doing behind the scenes before before taking it public. And now, obviously, he did briefly. And now his message has been, well, now I'm going to take this all behind closed doors and just try to speak to the NHL and the NHLPA, kind of you know behind the curtain and try to work on change that way, rather than doing it in such an outspoken kind of public nature as he did over the weekend.
2: Quickly, there were reports this morning that teams have a better sense of Jack Eichel and his situation, and there were inferences that maybe there's one or two teams perhaps ready to pull a deal. Uh, Would you fall off the chair if the Golden Knights get involved here or are involved behind the scenes?
4: Would I fall off the chair? Absolutely not, because this is what the Knights do, right? They always search for the best way to improve their team, and they're not afraid to go for the big name. I mean, we've seen this with Alex Petrangelo, I mean, even Robin Leonard at the time, was a surprising addition. Uh, Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, I mean, you can go down the list. Uh, it would definitely be a big swing and a big risk, though, because, uh, once again, we're talking about a guy who needs a surgical procedure on his neck and it's indetermined what the best surgical procedure for that would be. So, you're taking a, a huge risk and a guy who obviously has a ton of talent, I mean, he has MVP-level talent, but it's unclear what his health situation would be and when he will be back to that kind of MVP-level Jack Eichel at some point during this season. And, of course, through the Golden Knights, you have no seasons to waste right now. You have no seasons to kind of leave open-ended with question marks. Everyone knows that you are trying to win the Stanley Cup uh, this year to kind of fit within the window of all out of the core guys you have. So that would obviously be a big swing for them, but they've never been afraid to make them, so it wouldn't surprise me at all.
3: Anybody mispronounced your last name recently?
4: Not yet. It's kind of been lame. Everyone seems to kind of get the picture at this point, which is really disappointing.
3: All right. He's been gots from the review journal, Ben. Thank you so oh, much for joining you. us.
2: Thanks, Benjamin.
4: Talk <laughs> to you guys later. There you go.
3: Coming up next. Why is it so fun to watch the Yankees lose? Our stats hogwash? Are you tired of hearing
0: Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Here's a smash to left. High and deep. And this one is off the top of the wall. Just missing a home run. Judge into third. He's being waved around. Bogarts relay to the plate. And he is out. What a mistake by Phil Nevin, who's done that before in this ballpark. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff.
3: God, they just—they just threw the third base umpire under the yeah. bus by name I, yes. in the live play-by-play. Yeah. He's My done God, it
1: before and he's
3: Unbelievable. done it before here. Who did, that is a hell of a job by the play-by-play announcer to not only know the third base coach of the New York Yankees, but to also have a scouting report on him. I too, mean, yeah, he's made some bad decisions. I was gonna here. say
2: he must have done it before because <laughs> who in the world would know the third base coach by name on a play-by-play? So Phil's probably messed up before. Did you see Aaron Boone's quote after the game about it? He said, no, no.
3: Where he said, the league has closed the gap on us. We've got
2: to get better in every aspect. Well, they don't have to get better in the spending aspect because they like to spend money. So they've got that under control. What gap? They haven't played for a World Series since
3: 2009. Yeah, they
2: haven't done anything. So. I think they not only closed the gap, but they passed them up. There is no, yes, the gap is between them and the rest of the league. <laughs> yes. The gap is above yes.
3: them now. I, It's like, it'd be one thing. Delusional. Right. It'd be one thing if they had won a World Series. Two years ago. Or something. Right? Like, that. that's a quote that, like, you'd expect Nick Saban to give if his team right. went 9-3. and three. Right. You'd be like, right. oh, they finally closed, the, they finally got to yes. us. Right? Not Aaron Boone and the Yankees who were in a wild
2: card game this year. Is that Aaron Boone trying to save his job? I don't know what that is. That's all Aaron Boone. Because that's what you say when you're trying to save your job. Well, they finally caught us. Like, they caught you five years ago. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? But that's kind of a quote you give when you want to give the inference that, hey, we're still on top, which nobody believes anyway. You've been living in their basement. Yes, yes Exactly. All right, uh, Jared, this is, uh,
3: g- give us the call here. This is quite possibly uh, the best non-home run call in the history of baseball.
0: The pitch to Stanton. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. That is God out of the ballpark. A Stantonian home run. Now, wh- what, did, what did I do wrong? What did I
1: see wrong? He's at first base. <laughs> Giancarlo oh, poor Johnny. hit a ball oh. off the green monster. Went off the wall. And the home run call was, it's out of the stadium. Like, poor, poor Johnny. He thought the ball Struggling. went out of the stadium. He gets so excited. <laughs> it hit the green monster. The best, the best part about that was the defenses of him, which were like, he's 83. And it's like... Yeah. Then maybe he should, like, exactly. I, I don't recall Vin Scully, like, no. making these mistakes when he got in, became an octogenarian. Yeah,
2: yeah Vin Scully didn't make a mistake at 90. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, if this like, guy's in his 80s, then maybe he should uh, move on. It's John, how old do you think John
1: Sterling is? He's 83. Oh, he is?
2: Yeah. I thought you were just throwing out that number
1: against, like, no, across they, Twitter. They, they, no, every, that was, like, every third comment on some, the person who posted this. Still sounds good. I mean, he, obviously the eyes are hurting him, uh, but, but uh, <laughs> he sounds very good for 83. The other defense was, well, he's not live at the game. He was live at the game. Yeah, that, that stuff has stopped. People are actually at games yeah, now. It's,
2: it's a wild card game. Yeah, these, They're going to send him yes, to the game. Exactly. It was a great call what I, did i miss what did my eyes what miss? What did I miss what did my eyes miss he
1: stopped the ball like, the best and the best the is stadium.
2: the best is the throwaway line he's at first base <laughs> he's at like, first base he hit it out of the stadium <laughs> even phil nevin would have rounded him from third if he hit it out of the stadium Like, yeah, come on you can go you hit it out of the stadium the yankee
3: uh, okay i don't know what it is but the way the yankees lose it's just funny it's just well, funny when they lose because like Just from the construct, like, outside of the Dodgers, they spend the most money on their players, and they went out and traded for Rizzo and Gallo at the deadline. Garrett
2: Cole, $320 million. He
3: doesn't even get a seventh out in that game. You get two innings out of him. Like, Aaron Judge getting thrown out at home plate by 20 feet is hilarious. Giancarlo Stanton, hell, he did it twice where he hit the ball off the wall, thought it was a home run, and only got a single out of it. Like, it's just it's one of the funniest ways to watch a team lose because they're I don't know that they're actually good at the sport. They just hit home runs, and they've got guys that throw hard. And that's kind of and it. And they're
2: all right-handed. Yeah, and that's that's kind of it. You, I would assume, enjoyed the New York Post article and appreciated it. Or excuse me, the New York uh, Post headline and appreciated it. Oh, I didn't see it. What was it? Garrett bleeping Cole. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh New Cole. York
2: media. The best. Completely out of their mind. I, I mean, just, the
1: Yankees losing and the way they lose is yeah. funny. It's just a funny way to watch a team lose. I mean, even when they win, it's kind of funny. Like they had to get to the game. They basically had to hope a, a pitcher couldn't like, come up with a ball and then he didn't yeah. in the bottom of the night. <laughs> Does anyone outside of Boston and New York care
2: much about the Red Sox Yankees rivalry? No. I will fans of the teams throughout the country but other than that no And you and i and jared and people who aren't fans of teams i mean there are certain teams if the astros and giants make the world series i'll watch it i don't the yankees don't do anything for me anymore and you know maybe because back the day they killed the dodgers all those times but i mean it just doesn't they don't they don't entertain me are there
3: any baseball rivalries that people care about that aren't that don't involve their team no yeah i think that's one of the
2: problems with like Maybe the sport itself is you're not sitting down to watch because right. of a rivalry. The other night I, I, I watched Brady against the Patriots because of the drama. Right. I don't, you know, I would never do that if it's like you said, the Brewers and the White Sox. I can't even imagine the ratings on that thing. Would
3: people watch more Astros Dodgers this year based on what's happened? Like, would Absolutely, that, would that yeah, get enough so, people the, to say, yeah. oh, maybe not rivalry is not the right word. but But what happened before? Sure.
2: Maybe. Yeah.